Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I'm here with you today to take your calls and your texts live on the air. We're here to pray for you. So if you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Give us a call. We'd also love to answer your Bible questions. That's a big part of the vision behind this show is to give you kind of a direct line every day between 4 and 5 p.m. Mountain Time to pastors who pastor here in our local area in Colorado. And uh, we are here to answer your questions about the Bible. We're here to uh, pray for your prayer requests. You know, maybe you've been reading the Bible and there's some things that have come up and you're not sure, you know, where to get solid answers. Well, this is the place. So we're glad that you are tuning in. And uh, we would love it if you'd help us spread the word about this program. So if you're benefiting from it, make sure to tell somebody. Tell somebody on social media. Uh, post a link to our website, gracefm.com. Or uh, just get the word out via word of mouth. We would love it if you would do that and just build up this listening audience. Hey, we want to welcome those of you who are listening in Colorado and Wyoming here on Grace FM. We also want to welcome those listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. And we also want to uh, greet those who are tuning in on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Uh, just a reminder, those of you who are listening on the East Coast, the area around Tennessee, you're hearing this program on a one-week delay. But we would love for you to call in and be part of the show. And then you guys will have the unique opportunity where you can tune in a week later, hear yourself on the radio. But don't just enjoy listening to yourself. Use that as an opportunity to invite somebody you know, maybe friends, family members. Tell them, hey, I'm going to be on the radio at this and this time on this station. And as they listen to that, not only will they be hearing an answer to your question from God's word, but they'll also be finding out about Christian radio in their local area and maybe it becomes a preset maybe it becomes a regular listening thing and then God uses it to change their lives you know here we hear so many stories of how God has used this station and this show in particular to do that in people's lives and so we'd love it if you would help us spread the word about it hey the number to call is 303-690-3000 that's 303-690-3000 or you can text us at 720-336-0897 that's 720-336-0897 for the text line. Here at the beginning of the show, we've got all open lines. It's a great time to call in with your questions about the Bible with your prayer requests. So do give us a call. Once again, 303-690-3000. Hey, we also want to greet those of you who are tuning in online. You know that we have a growing audience of people who tune into this show and tune into this program uh, online. And so we want to greet you. We, I have a map here showing me uh, where people are tuning in from at the moment. We've got quite a few listeners in Florida today, a uh, lot in Colorado, and of course, looks like Albuquerque, New Mexico, Phoenix, Arizona, Los Angeles, and their surrounding areas. Looks like Dallas and the surrounding area there. In the East Coast, we've got some listeners in the Midwest and the Pacific Northwest. So hey, wherever you're tuning in from, 
We want to welcome you. We're so glad to have you. We've also got some international listeners, South Africa and Ukraine representing today. So, hey, we're so glad that you are tuning in. Give us a call. Send us a text. We want to answer your Bible questions so that, you know, not only can you receive an answer to your question, but perhaps somebody else is going to really benefit from hearing the answer to that question as well. So give us a call. 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. Just a few words about myself. Uh, my name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado, and I'm your host every Friday here on Calvary Live. And uh, love doing the show. Love answering your questions. Love praying for you guys. It's such a blessing, and uh, love hearing your voices. So give me a call. Three zero three six nine zero. 3000 text me 7203360897 so yeah like i said i'm the pastor of whitefields community church which is located at uh located in longmont colorado we're a calvary chapel affiliated church uh here in this great city uh, we recently moved so we're in a new location if you haven't been out to our new location and you're in our local area or within driving distance we'd love to have you come out uh, our address is 2950 Colorful Avenue. That's 2950 Colorful Avenue. And where that's located, if you're not familiar, it is one half mile east of County Line Road and Highway 119. So the intersection there of County Line Road and Highway 119, there's a big UC Health Hospital built there recently, and it's, there's, a, there's a Walmart also there. And so we're just a half mile east of there, on Highway 119, also called Ken Pratt Boulevard, and we're directly north of Sandstone Ranch Sports Complex, the big community park there with the uh, soccer fields, baseball fields, and the uh, skate park. It's a big community hub here for us in Longmont, and so we are just directly across the street from there on the north side of Highway 119. And again, our address is 2950 Colorful Avenue, in Longmont. It's 80504 is our zip code, which means that we're on the east side of town. So we're really conveniently located for people who are both in Longmont, of course, uh, that's convenient for them. But if you are in any of the surrounding communities, if you're in Berthoud or Mead, if you're in Firestone, Frederick, Decono, if you're in Lafayette and Erie, if you're in Boulder or Niwot, Lyons, we are, uh, we are here and very easy to access for all of you. So we'd love to have you join us in person. If you're not able to join us in person, we'd love to have you join us online. Uh, we have all of our services are live streamed. We have two services every Sunday, 9 and 11 a.m. And they're live streamed on our website, but also on our website, you can listen to some of our past messages. We've got archives of teaching through the Bible, different books of the Bible, as well as some topical series that you can browse and check out. They're totally uh, free to you. So check those out at whitefieldschurch.com whitefieldschurch.com. If you're a podcast listener, I'd encourage you to subscribe to our podcast, the Whitefields Community Church Podcast, and connect with us on all the social media channels. We're on all of them, and we're very active on there, so we'd love to connect with you. If you're looking for some good, positive content, uh, check out our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, our Instagram page. We'd love for you to connect with us there. Just search Whitefields Church on any of those channels, and it will come right up. Hey, and this Sunday, we've got a cool thing going on. So if, you know, you are in Longmont or maybe you, you've, you're outside of Longmont and you've thought about coming, 
Now, this weekend is the weekend to come. Here's why. Because we have a guest speaker and a guest worship leader this Sunday. The guest speaker is Pastor Rob Salvato from Calvary Vista in Vista, California, which is San Diego County. And uh, Rob has been a really a longtime friend of mine and my wife's. And we just we love their church. We love uh, the fellowship with Rob. And he's going to be speaking this Sunday on the topic of what did Jesus say about stress and worry? Now, I don't know about you guys, but I think that's a pretty relevant topic to where we're at. Stress and worry is is a major part of our lives uh, right now because of all the crises that we've been in the midst of for the past seven months. Not to mention that we have an election coming up and all the uncertainty, right? That's what makes it so, so hard. So we would love to have you join us this Sunday, 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and online. Uh, at Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont. Uh, check us out again online, whitefieldschurch.com, for directions and all that good info. And I, I was telling you, we have a guest worship leader. This guy, his name is Joe Ellison. He is the leader of a band called Run With Patience. And he is a phenomenal kind of blues rock guitar player, but also great worship leader. So he's from Napa, California, and he's just out for the weekend. We flew him out here just because uh, he's a good friend of our church. He's been out here before, and people responded so well, you know, really uh, connected in worship when Joe was leading, and just a phenomenal person. So we'd love to have you come for special music this Sunday, kind of blues rock worship, and um, and a great message on what did Jesus say about stress and worry from Pastor Rob Salvato from Calvary Vista. So again, check us out, Whitefields Church. Com. Let's go to our first caller. We've got Nancy in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Nancy. Welcome to the program. Hi. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Good afternoon. Glad to have you. What's up? Well, I was looking at uh, Matthew chapter 15. I was most concerned about uh, the verse uh, 24, and uh, my Bible says, uh, but he answered and said to me, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So I guess my question is, was he only saving or healing people um, that were from the house of Israel? Did he he heal anybody that was otherwise? Yeah, good question. If you read down to the end of that passage, the end of that story is that there's this woman. She's a Syrophoenician woman, which means that she was from uh, the area just north of Israel. Okay, so she is from their like modern day Lebanon. And so Jesus goes there. By the way, this is the farthest that Jesus ever traveled outside of Israel. He spent all of his time in the area around Galilee, which is in the northern part of Israel, and in the area around Jerusalem, which is the area of kind of south central Israel. Um, But this is the one big excursion he made outside of Israel. Um, And this was, it says there in verse 21 of Matthew 15, Jesus went and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Now, again, that is like modern day Lebanon near the city of Beirut. And so uh, he goes there, this Canaanite woman from that region. So it makes it clear she's a Gentile. Now, there were a lot of Jews who lived in that region as well. But this is a Gentile woman. And she says, have mercy on me, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed with a demon. And then Jesus goes into this interaction with her, right, which is a back and forth where Jesus is kind of pushing back and yet she doesn't give up. She's persistent. She pushes back also. And then Jesus pushes back some more and then she pushes back. And then at the end of the story, though, Jesus heals her daughter. So did Jesus heal 
the the children or did Jesus heal people who were not Jews? Yes, and actually this isn't the only occasion where he did that. In fact, um, this was something that people found very scandalous about Jesus is that Jesus didn't only minister to the Jewish people. Um, I'll give you a couple examples. One of them is that he heals the child of a centurion on one hand. Another time that got Jesus in a lot of hot water with the Jewish people is found in Luke chapter 4. And there, Jesus was preaching in his hometown of Nazareth. And at the end of his sermon, he said something that caused the people there to chase him out of the city and they tried to throw him off a cliff. And what he had said to them that angered them so much is he told them, uh, see, because they, they didn't receive his ministry. They said, who do you think you are coming here? We, we know your parents. We watched you grow up. And that's where Jesus said, you know, a prophet's never welcome in his hometown. Well, what he said after that was, he goes, you know, guys, in the time of Elijah, there were a lot of widows in Israel, but only one was cared for and had her son healed. And that was a, a pagan woman. And then he goes on and he says one more thing where he goes, um, and there were a lot of lepers in the time of Elisha, and yet none of them were healed except for Naaman, the Syrian. And it says when they heard that, they were so angry. Why were they angry? Because the Jewish people really had this kind of borderline xenophobia where, or, or really ethnocentricism that was, it was definitely not the heart of God. See, God had chosen the people of Israel, not because of their own merits. He makes that clear. He said, it wasn't because of anything I saw in you. I just chose you because uh, I sovereignly chose to have you be my chosen people through whom I would reveal myself to the world. And that was their mission. Their mission was not to hoard the truth of God, but they were to be a light, a lighthouse to the nations that would draw people. Like Isaiah 60 talks about this, right? Like people will come to the shining of your brightness and the light. And yet Israel, many, many, over, over and over, they, they took the idea that they were chosen by God and they took it the wrong way. And they took it where they became prideful and looked down on other people as opposed to uh, having the opinion of serving other people. Well, all that to say, um, all that to say, did Jesus heal uh, people? Yes, he healed people who were not there. But what is he saying to this woman? Uh, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Well, what he's saying is that his ministry was uniquely focused on the people of Israel, and yet he came as the savior of the world. It was after Jesus' ministry was finished that he sent his disciples into all the world. You might remember, right? He said, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit upon you, and then you're going to be empowered, and you're going to go and take the gospel, not just to Jerusalem and Judea, but to Samaria, and even to the other uttermost parts of the earth. And so this was God's mission all along. You read about it through the Old Testament. He was coming to bring salvation to the whole world, but he did it through the Jews. And Jesus' ministry was specifically focused on the Jewish people, but it wasn't to remain there. Does that, does that all make sense? Yes, it does. Oh, thank you so much for clearing that up. Do you, one, one other question. Do you think that he was, in a way, kind of testing her to see, maybe just trying to see exactly, maybe trying to see exactly where she was coming from, or was she going to keep you know, pursuing him? Do you think that was kind of a test to her? Exactly. I think that's exactly what it was. 
um, like that's okay because I just kind of that's what I that was I was thinking as you were telling me that that that's what he was trying to do. Yeah, I mean, I think Jesus could have just said she she came to him and said, "Hey, would you heal my daughter?" He could have just said, "Sure, there you go. Now move along." But he wanted to have this interaction with her, right? Where he's drawing out her faith, where he's encouraging her to persevere in faith. And it's it's not just written for us because it happened. It's written for us to be an example for us. This is what faith looks like. It's perse it perseveres. It doesn't just try once and give up, right? Right, right. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you answering that so well. Thank you. My pleasure. I'm glad that it was helpful. Very helpful. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Awesome. Thank you. God bless you. The Lord be with you. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We're here today answering your questions about the Bible and, and praying for your prayer requests. So I want to hear from you. Love hearing your voices. Love talking to you guys on the show. And so many other people are listening right now who are going to benefit from the questions that you're going to ask. So Call us and text us with your Bible questions and your prayer requests. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Rachel in Wellington, Colorado. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the program. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, what's going on? Well, I had a question. I've been going through uh, the book of Revelations, and I finished it and then decided to go through it again because there's so much information in it. And a verse in Revelation 3, 5 really stood out to me about how if we overcome, or I guess it would be at this point the saints, if they overcame, their, book, their name would not be blotted out of the book of life. So the, I'm curious what you think, but it... it that verse kind of indicates to me that God has already put everyone's name in the book of life, and then once, <clears throat> excuse me, we reject Him, is when and, and pass on is when we're our names blotted out. Because I know um, hell was never meant for for us, but for the devil and his angels. And I was just curious what your thoughts were on that. It's a great question. It definitely is one that I mean that's a that's a major theory about how salvation works. Right? Is that Essentially, God didn't create us for death and darkness, but mm -hmm. he created us for light and life forever with him, right? So sin, death, these things are an aberration in creation. They're not what we were originally created for, or what we were meant for. And therefore, um, you know, there is this book of life, and it seems there are names written in it. We, we read about names being blotted out, um, and that's, that's pretty important. So, uh, yeah, it, it, I think here's the deal, though. That when we, when we start out, right, it's not that we have earned our way out of the book of life, right, through sinning, mm -hmm. but we sin because we have a corrupted nature. Now, if you look at the book of Revelation, one thing you'll, or sorry, book of Romans, especially chapters one and two, one of the things you'll notice is that when it talks about the judgment of God, judgment of God is always linked to um, rebellion, like knowing rebellion. In other words, what we call transgression as opposed to just original sin. And this is kind of one of the debates that goes on. It's like, it, do people go to hell or do people receive eternal judgment um, because of original sin or because of rebellion? 
Now, again, this is an ongoing kind of theological debate. Um, at the end of the day, it kind of doesn't matter because here's why. Um, at the end of the day, all of us at some point in our life, not only have we had original sin, but we have knowingly sinned, right? There's no one who has not. The, it's really more of an issue of like children, for example, who die in infancy, things like that. Um, does God show them special mercy or are they exempt from the judgment of God because judgment comes upon those who knowingly rebel? So that, like that the is the age a, of accountability, basically. Exactly. So that's, I think that even among people who agree on the idea of an age of accountability, there's still this ongoing question of how does that work? Is that a special mercy or is it rather that judgment uh, belongs to those who knowingly rebel? So, you know, throughout the Bible, we never read about God's judgment coming upon anyone apart from knowing rebellion. And if you look at uh, Romans 1, right, it says the judgment of God, the wrath of God is being revealed against those who do these things, even though they know that they're wrong. So that, that does get to the idea of um, an age of accountability. So this question about blotting out from the book of life. On the one hand, understand this, that this language isn't necessarily meant to be a code that we decipher and figure out how it works, right? It's um, especially like in the book of Revelation, we are looking at um, apocalyptic language, which is meant to be very descriptive. And so what that, what that means, let's put it this way, to be very simple, it just means that there are some people who will not go to heaven. Now, is it giving us kind of a technical description of how that takes place, that everybody's name is written in this book, and then certain names are blotted out as they rebel against God? Um, in this case, that would be hard to justify because essentially it means that their names have been written and their names would not be written in there anymore. So uh, I guess I would just say I would take this as more of a, a symbolic language as opposed to a, a technical description of something that happens and how people end up receiving the judgment. So, mm. so if we were going to create a systematic theology, let's call it, about salvation and judgment i would not build it upon this idea alone i would say let's let's go and look at the whole bible and let's determine what the whole bible has to say about this topic and about uh, how um, we receive salvation etc the the one thing i would say about this though is that this is one of the only instances that we would see that indicates that you know, having been saved, that you could then somehow lose that salvation. Now, I'm, I'm not a proponent of the idea that you can lose your salvation, and there's a few reasons for that, right? Because the language that's used of losing your salvation, right, that's a passive idea, right? It means that, like, I lose my keys. I didn't want to, but I did on accident. I don't think that that's how salvation works. Um, because the language that's used around salvation is things like, You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. We never read of anybody being unsealed. Uh, you've been born again. We never read of anybody being unborn again. You've been adopted. We never read about anybody being unadopted, their adoption being negated or something like that. Uh, on the other hand, this is one instance where we do read about there being names in a book and those names possibly being blotted out. So like I said, to determine this, we want to consider all the factors. So I don't know if I gave you a, a, a concrete answer on this, but um, 
that would be my take that that to make a theological determination we shouldn't just do it off of this verse especially because it comes from a genre which is descriptive in nature no that that makes sense cool well thank you yeah my pleasure and and i, I guess one last thought that there to the person who is let's say a smoldering wick right it says it in the bible a smoldering wick he will not snuff out so a person who is like hey i i love god and i want to be saved and i i sometimes sin and it grieves me when i do it but somehow i keep falling into it to that person i would want to give them comfort and encouragement that if they have trusted in jesus he's holding on to them even when they're not holding on to him but to a person who's kind of flippant about it, right? They're kind of like, ah, whatever. I'm just going to do it. And I raised my hand at middle school camp back in 1985. And so I'm good, right? Uh, to that person, I would point out, hey, well, there, there's this whole thing about names being blotted out of the book of life. And so um, you should worry about that, right? So we want to uh, comfort the disheartened and we want to uh, stir up those who are complacent. All right. Well, thank you so much. You bet. God bless you, Rachel. Thanks for calling in. All right, bye -bye. Thank you. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Keedy from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Let's go to our next caller, Olga in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Olga. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Pastor, for getting my phone call. My pleasure. What can I do for you? Pastor... We really need to play, uh, pray because last night I heard that that we're going to have more cases by the thousands. Mm. Whether you know, Pastor, we have to believe in the promises that are written for us, like in Psalms ninety-one, three, four, five, and six is loud and clear, and Joshua tells us that he's going to be to the very we just have to be strong. He's going to be with us to the very end of our days. Men are not going to decide for us. We have to believe in the Word of God. Because I'm saying this because the person who was sitting next to me, she just said, what are we going to do? And I said, nothing. We just have to read the Bible and believe in the Word. So I just want you to pray for that person who said that we're going to have by the thousands in the next few weeks. Okay, well, let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, we lift up uh, the situation right now with the coronavirus. And, and Lord, truly, we are worried. We're worried about a, any virus that would especially hurt those who are most weak and most vulnerable amongst us. Because as the people of God, Lord, you have called us to care about the weak and the vulnerable. So, Lord, may we be those who show love for our neighbors. Uh, may we be those who are willing to lay down our rights for the sake of our neighbors. And Lord, we do pray that you would protect our communities, Lord, from the ongoing spread of the coronavirus. So we pray that there would be uh, recoveries for those who are sick, Lord, that there would be protection for those who are weak and at risk. And Lord, we pray that you would stop the spread of this virus. And Lord, whatever it takes, uh, whether those are medicines, whether it's an act of, of your sovereign hand, Lord, we ask that you would truly uh, bring this to a good conclusion and that it would come soon. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God Thank bless you, Olga. Thanks so much for calling in.
All right, bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We're taking your calls and texts live on the air. We're about to go to our break, so we're going to hold off on going to our next call. But we have two open lines right now for you to call in on uh, with your prayer requests and with your questions about the Bible. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We've got a few. We've got one caller on hold and a few uh, text messages to get to right after the break. So we will be doing that soon. Um, We also want to be praying for the fires that are affecting our area, especially up here in northern Colorado. So we're going to do all that when we come back from our break in two minutes' time. Again, you're listening to Calvary Live. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. Text us, 720-336-0897. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church taking your calls on and texts live on the air. The number to call, 303-690-3000. or text us 720-336-0897 let's go to our next caller Abelina in Denver, Colorado hi Abelina, welcome to the program hi there okay, so um, Abelina, I'm not sure that you're here but I see your question so Abelina's question was this she said, I heard someone say we should keep our political opinions to ourselves so that we don't judge. What do I think about that? Um, well, you know what? I don't think that not judging is the reason to keep our political opinions to ourselves. Here's the way I would put it. Abelina, I have a lot of opinions about a lot of things. I have opinions about politics. I have opinions about fashion. I have opinions about all kinds of things. And uh, at any on any given day, at any given time, I am choosing which of my opinions to keep to myself and which of my opinions to share. And I'm doing that for a reason, right? There, there's, and, and I'm sure that all of us do this, right? There's a reason why you say certain things and a reason why you don't say other things. And what I have found is that as a Christian, I want to live as a person who, is, who lives with a sense that I am an ambassador for Christ. I am sent on a mission from God. And my mission is not to convert people to my political opinions, my economic opinions, my uh, fashion opinions, whatever opinions I might have. My uh, calling as a Christian is to build bridges in order to bring the truth and the hope of the gospel into the world. And I want to live with that missional mindset all the time. And so, listen, uh, if... Being out there and sharing my political opinions does not help further the mission of God, then I will be happy to keep those opinions to myself. And I think that that is very important, that we use tact and we use wisdom as opposed to just saying everything that we think. And that's true about politics and it's true about everything else that we encounter as well. It's not a matter of uh, not judging people. Rather, this is a matter of 
using wisdom. It's very much like what Paul said in 1 Corinthians, where he said, hey, look, everything is permissible to me, but not everything is profitable, right? There are things that I can do. I can go right now. I can go eat 12 donuts. I can go smoke a pack of cigarettes. I won't be breaking any laws, but would it be profitable for me to do that? Nope. Now, those things would affect me. Now, there are other things that I can do that, that would be allowable by law, and maybe they wouldn't even be a sin before God, and yet they just wouldn't be helpful to the mission and the calling that God has placed on my life. So I just recently taught a passage about this um, in Second Kings chapter 5, and uh, I, I'm teaching through Second Kings right now on Sunday mornings at Whitefields, the church that I pastor here in Longmont. And in 2 Kings chapter 5, there's this very interesting story where we read about how Elisha the prophet healed this guy Naaman. Well, actually, God healed this guy Naaman. Elisha didn't actually even show up to do it. He just told Naaman to go uh, wash in the River Jordan seven times. So Naaman goes, he washes in the River Jordan. God heals him of his leprosy. And then after that, um, this man who he healed, this man named Naaman, he was a very wealthy man. So he comes to Elisha and he says, I want to pay you to say thank you for what you did. Now, that would not be a sin for Elisha to receive that payment. In fact, there are many times in the Bible where we see Levites, priests, even prophets, um, and then in the New Testament, pastors and leaders receiving payment in exchange for the work of the ministry. Paul the Apostle, right? He quotes from the book of Deuteronomy, and he says, don't muzzle an ox while it's treading grain as a way of saying, pay your pastors. On the other hand, though, Elisha says to his servant, whose name is Gehazi, he says, this is not the right time for us to receive money. In other words, in this situation, it would send the wrong message. It would divert attention away from what God has done if we were to take a payment for it. So even though it wouldn't be a sin, even though it wouldn't be against the rules, I refuse to accept this payment because it would send the wrong message. He was very much missionally minded. And it's so important that we as Christians be the same way. Look, there's nothing in the Bible that says that you can't um, be very involved in politics. In some cases, I think it might be really good for people of faith and Christians to be very involved with politics. But I know that in not every case is it helpful. I know that as a pastor, I would be alienating a large percent of my um, community here in Longmont if I went out and chose a side, whichever side that is, on certain issues and became very partisan in those things. Now, that isn't to say that Christianity isn't political in nature. Christianity is completely political. For example, we proclaim that Jesus is king, that he is Lord. That is a political statement. We believe in a king and a kingdom. We call ourselves citizens of that kingdom, and we look forward to the city which is to come. These are political statements. But that is exactly it, that we belong to a king and a kingdom who are not of this world, and therefore we don't fit easily into a partisan system. And, uh, and that's really important, that we keep that distinction. As the Church of Jesus Christ, we need to have a prophetic voice in the world today. And the way to do that is to, um, to say, hey, here's what the Bible says on this issue. No matter what any party says, um, here's what the Bible says on this issue. And so that's that's the approach we want to take. So I hope that helps. Let's uh, well, let's give you the number to call one more time before we go to our next caller. You're listening to Calvary Live. The number to call. We've got two open lines right now. Great time to call in with your Bible questions and your prayer requests. So questions about the Bible, 
and your prayer requests. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Betty Jane in Pennsylvania. Hi, Betty Jane. Welcome to the program. Hi, Betty Nick, Jane. Nick, how are you? I'm doing great. What's up? Good, good. So, um... <clears throat> This is this is a problem, and so I'm presenting it to you to ask you your opinion. Uh, this gentleman that I knew 50 years ago, um, I'm 67, and he um, he and I dated very briefly when I was 14, and we uh, friended each other on Facebook, you know, very casually. Um, his I know his family, you know, there was overlaps in my sister and my brother and. Uh, as we were growing up, and he lives in Long Island, and I live in Pennsylvania. And so he, he's 67 now as well. And um, <clears throat> so in September, we contacted each other. His wife passed away in June. Um, his sister has cancer, and she's, you know, going into the terminal stages of her life. And I know her, you know, briefly from my, you know, teenage years. And so um, <clears throat> since then, since he contacted me, um, you know, he's, he's really made overtures that he's very interested in me. And so um, my approach to him has been that, you know, you really need to slow down. Um, you know, uh, we're not equally yoked because he is Catholic. Okay. And he's starting to understand my faith and uh you know i'm starting to understand his his um connection to the catholic church and um so we we pray together we read the bible together not every day but we're starting to kind of incorporate that into our conversations and so i've made it clear to him that he needs to you know we need to be just friends, and that um, he needs to come to Jesus in order for us to really go further in a relationship. But right now, we can be friends. He's recuperating from his loss of his wife, and he's a good friend for me. Sure. So, um, so what is the question? Is it that? Is it? one of if you should pursue this relationship or not um what is your thought here yeah yeah that's the question i mean should i just i i don't know i think i think i'm handling it appropriately and i would just like to hear whether you concur or not sure yeah you know i don't think there's anything wrong with you being friends with somebody and praying with them i mean you're both single adults i think that's an important part if you were married uh, if there's anybody out there who's married and they, they're entering into some kind of friendship like this that has a spiritual aspect, I mean, I'd say that praying together on a regular basis is actually a form of kind of spiritual intimacy. And I would say that having that kind of relationship between people, if if they're both married or either of them are married, that would be inappropriate. and um, And that often leads to some kind of emotional affair, if not a physical one. But I would say in your case, 
um, it seems to me that you're both single adults, you're seeking the Lord, but I would just say, yeah, you can have a friendship. It can be an encouraging friendship. You can be a brother and sister in the Lord. I think that you guys would need to make sure uh, before you go any further that uh, you're on the same page, that you can actually be equally yoked. Uh, I don't think that him being Catholic or calling himself Catholic necessarily precludes that. I think you would... Uh, here's what I found with a lot of people, especially uh, people who raised in uh, Catholicism and maybe they're older, is that um, for a lot of times it becomes more of an issue of identity than it does about belief. Um, you know, I lived in Europe for 10 years. I was in Hungary as a missionary and pastor. And we, you know, you meet these people and basically being Catholic or being Orthodox, being Reformed, for many of these people, it's it's almost on the it's almost on the level of like for Americans, right? Like I'm Polish or I'm German. Uh, it has nothing to do with what they actually believe or what they adhere to. Um, it's more of an identity thing. So I would say, but you know, to know if you are equally yoked or not, I would say talk about individual issues. Who is Jesus? How are you saved? You know, what it what is. I think you're right. What is the role of the church in our lives? That is a very important question. Um, so I would say sort those things out before you move any further down the line with this relationship. But having a friendship as two single adults um, where you are praying together and encouraging one another, I, th I don't see any problem with that. Okay, so you said who is Jesus and what is the role of... Yeah, what is the role of the church, you know, because... Um, for, Which church, his church or mine? Well, his church, meaning what is the role of the Catholic Church in our lives, you know? What is the role of the Catholic Church in our faith? That's an important point. In our faith. Well, yeah. I, have, I have a faith. I mean, I, you know, I guess I don't consider that he does because, but I think he does. He's, he's, he describes himself as a devout Catholic. Yeah, and so just sort out those issues. You know, does he believe that the church is the mediator um, of salvation? In which case, uh, I think that would be an issue, right? Because we, w we would say, according to the Bible, that Jesus is the only mediator between God and man. That the, does he believe that the church is the mediator? Of salvation, right. right. That's a big question. Because we do not believe that. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that. That's more important. Okay, yeah. because the Bible, yeah. Right. I, I, you know, I, I'm i so happy that I am a Christian. I have to tell you. I mean, I, I, just, I just love it. It's just so clear and so, uh, it's so real. It's mm. so authentic. It's just, uh, all the doctrine that, that I hear about in the Catholic Church is just, I, I don't know where it came from. I, I have no idea. It's, right. it's just uh, I, I've studied the development to me to a yeah, certain extent. I, I've studied the development of it um, over, you know, throughout that I've done a lot of that in school. And I would tell you um, a lot of it, when you see how it would developed, it, it actually um, caused you some concern. But that's why we're so glad that we had a Reformation, right? That's why the uh, mantra of the Reformation was, um, what is it, Ecclesia Reformata Semper Reformatus, which means the, um, the Reformed Church always reforming. And that what that means is that the, the Reformation, according to the Refor Reformers, 
should never end. We should always be going back to the scriptures and making sure that we're not just um, creating things, man-made doctrines, man-made traditions, but anything that we do and believe that it be based upon uh, God's revelation of himself to us in his word. So, right. yeah, hey, I, I'm with you. Oh, I'm, I'm glad I'm a Christian, too, and I'm glad you're a Christian. So thanks yeah, for calling I, in. I, yeah, I hope that yeah, helped. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Sure. You have God a nice bless night. You. All right, bye-bye. God bless you. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. We have one open line where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life. We'd love to hear from you. Again, 303-690-3000. Text line is 720-336-0800. Nine seven. Let's go to our next caller, Geo in Commerce City, Colorado. Hi, Geo. Welcome to the program. Hello. Hi. What can I do for you? So I called in with a question. It's something uh, I've been thinking about. I don't know if the last couple of days or something. It was a conversation I had with a an atheist friend who uh, tried to pull up the scripture as like that the the Bible in certain circumstances endorses abortion, and it's in uh, Numbers chapter five. Verses like 11 through 31. And it talks about an unfaithful wife. If a husband believes his wife has been unfaithful, to do a test, they make a bitter water, and then she has to drink it. And then if she has been unfaithful, it, her thigh rots and her belly swells. Um, but I like it was interesting today when I looked it up online through the NIV, it said that she miscarries. Mm-hmm. I know, like, to some extent, the writers of the NIV discount some of the things from the Bible, so I don't, I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to get more understanding of that. Yeah, that's interesting. I can look this up real quick in another um, another commentary, which might give us some uh, some other insight into this. So I'll do that real quick while we're talking, but... Yeah, it says, you know, that the idea, uh, I think you explained it pretty well, that um, if they were to do this, and I think the bigger issue, the way I've always understood this, was that this wasn't necessarily to cause her to miscarry, it was to cause uh, a tell, really, right? It's to give some insight into whether or not um, she had done this. Yeah, so I am looking at, um, yeah, right now I'm looking at the ESV study Bible, uh, which also has a great commentary in there with people like J.I. Packer and, you know, these kind of giants uh, of, of theology who have written in here. And uh, they say this is a test of suspected adultery, and this was to distinguish between actual unwitnessed adultery. Basically, this uh, drinking water containing dust from the floor of the tabernacle um, would have been something which still required um, God to to make it clear, right? Because um, basically this is a, a symbolic thing they're doing, but what they need is for God to make it clear whether or not uh, this person committed adultery. And so there was this test, and uh, yeah, it says here, um, it could be a threat of miscarriage, but not necessarily. So this whole idea of uh, the thigh swelling and the, the womb swelling and her thigh falling away uh, if she is guilty, I think the more important thing here is that this was meant to be a tell. Now, again, um, what we do, and we talked about this with the earlier caller, when we 
when we look at theology is that we don't just uh, take one instance in the Bible, right? But we create a biblical theology about something. And that means that we look at everything that the Bible teaches on that subject. And so to say that this passage, which is somewhat obscure, right? Like this isn't extremely clear saying that, you know, this is uh, like a morning after pill or something like that, right? Um, to take this and interpret it in a certain way, you have to ask, what would motivate that person to interpret that passage in that way? And what would motivate them to do that is that they, they have something that they're trying to prove. In other words, if you were just reading the Bible and you didn't have any preconceived notions about abortion or, or wanting to find something in there, either way, what conclusion would you come to? And I would say that the conclusion that we come to over and over is that life is sacred, we're created in the image of God, that God has the power to take life and end life, and we do not. And therefore, uh, it would be wrong for us to intervene and put, the, put an end to an, a life, including in the womb. So I, I think yeah. that that's, that's kind of where it goes. The other part of this to remember is that if you uh, injured a woman in the Bible who was pregnant, then you were, that was, um, that was considered murder, yeah. a life. Right. Yeah. So, um, again, looking at this holistically, as opposed to trying to find a obscure or not 100 percent clear passage and make a determination based on that. That's not a good way to do theology. Yeah, no, that was that was kind of my retort, not to that um, extent, but that's kind of what I said as I I opened up my Bible and I read it to him. I said, well, I, I don't see it as, oh, they're miscarrying. Like, I don't I don't see that. I don't see this as abortion. But uh, I don't know. I just came to seek someone else because obviously I'm, I'm not all wise. So just someone with maybe more understanding. Sure. Yeah, I hope that help, helped. Um, it does get to this idea of theological method, right? Because we mm -hmm. all have presuppositions. What we're, What's wrong is for us to approach the Bible looking for the Bible to give us a, you know, basically, I think that abortion is great, right? So I'm going to find a verse that backs up what I say. Or, or yeah. we could do that with anything. That's just not how we want to do theology. We want to come to the Bible yeah. and let God speak to us. Yeah. The totality of Scripture. No, I agree. For sure. Cool. Hey, God bless you, Gio, and thanks for calling in. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got about eight minutes left in the show. We could probably have time for one or two more calls. Give me a call. We could probably take one call uh, in the next uh, few minutes. So give me a call with that, that last Bible question or prayer request, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. 3000 or you can text us 720-336-0897 before we go over the text line i just want to address the fact that we are having these uh, very severe wildfires here in northern colorado right now we've had um, over the weekend uh, the Callwood fire started right outside of where i live in longmont it's uh, caused the evacuation of some parts of the town of lyons it was up on us 36 and just on the western suburbs of longmont into hygiene just this past uh, Saturday, and uh, very concerned. We had some people from our church who were affected, had to evacuate. And right now, right, Estes Park had to evacuate yesterday, 
And we have people in church here in Longmont who live in Pinewood Springs, and now they're worried about some of them are already evacuating, and we've been able to find homes for them. We've also started a food pantry uh, a few months ago, but now we've really uh, ramped that up, and we're working with the Red Cross to provide uh, food and, and supplies for people who are in need. So if any of you out there are listening and you need help or you know someone who needs help, Maybe they need food, supplies. Maybe they had to flee their home. They're living in a hotel room, something like that. We want to help them uh, with some groceries, with some household supplies. So the way to get in touch with us is email us at info at whitefieldschurch.com. That's info at whitefieldschurch.com. And the other thing I want to do is I want to pray for Estes Park, and I want to pray for Pinewood Springs, Lyons, and this whole area that's being threatened right now, not to mention the cities of Loveland and Fort Collins, which have uh, the large fire there, um, the Cameron Peak fire right at their doorstep. So let's pray. Lord, we lift up northern Colorado to you, and this is just a, a very scary time for a lot of people. This is a very um, time of just great upheaval for these people and their lives. And Lord, we pray that you'd be with people as they're evacuating. Lord, we pray that you would uh, help the firefighters to not only put an end to this fire, and that their work would be successful. But Lord, we also pray that you would keep them safe. We pray that you would protect them as they are out there trying to save properties and trying to prevent the fire from spreading. Lord, we pray that you would protect their lives and that no one's life would be lost uh, f um, from amongst the firefighters at all. Lord, we pray for the towns up here on the Northern Front Range and pray that you'd protect these towns and protect the fire from spreading. Uh, Lord, we, we pray that as this cold weather front is coming in, Lord, we just um, send a lot of snow this weekend and that it would uh, really help the firefighters get this, uh, fire, these many fires under control, particularly the East Troublesome Fire and the Cameron Peak Fire, Lord. And so we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you are listening and you're in the Longmont area, we'd love to have you join us this coming Sunday at the church where I pastor. We have a special service this Sunday with a guest speaker. Pastor Rob Salvato from Calvary Vista in California is here. And we have a marriage retreat happening this weekend. It was supposed to happen in Estes Park, but of course that's not happening right now. We moved the retreat down to our church. Um, it's closed, you know, we, we have, it's sold out, and so we are able to do it here at our church and using some hotels here in Longmont. But uh, you can pray for our marriage retreat that's happening today and tomorrow. In fact, uh, here in four minutes when the show this show is over, I'm going to walk out this door and walk right into the marriage retreat. I'm looking forward to it. But you can be praying for married couples here from our church here in Longmont. We've got some folks from other uh, Calvary Chapel churches up and down the Front Range who are joining us as well. And uh, be praying for that this weekend. And uh, then Pastor Rob is going to be teaching on Sunday here at Whitefields. We'd love to have you if you uh, are within driving distance of Longmont. Come out and join us. You can find directions and all that good information on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com, where you can also watch live on Sunday mornings if you are not within driving distance. So we'd love to have you. And we have a guest worship leader, um, Joe Ellison, from the band Run With Patience, is going to be uh, leading us. He's a, he's a great musician, but he's also a great brother in the Lord, a great heart for Jesus, great worship leader. We're really looking forward to having him uh, this Sunday. So we'd love to have you join us. Check us out online, get directions, all that good stuff, whitefieldschurch.com. 
Okay, we have a text message that came in. Someone's asking, what is the difference between Pharisees and Sadducees? Great question. We see that Jesus uh, was dealing with the Pharisees and Sadducees a lot. Um, here's the big difference. Let's put it this way. The Pharisees were the um, theologically conservative Jews of the time. And, um, you know, they were people who in many ways in their theology, they, they were closer to Jesus than the Sadducees. And yet Jesus had a lot to say about the Pharisees because even though they got a lot of things right in their theology, their attitude, their heart was really wrong and messed up. And so what that tells us is that you can, ha you can believe all the right things and yet um, you can become puffed up and prideful. You can believe that you justify yourself before God. And so, yeah, the Pharisees had good doctrine, but, but their hearts weren't right before God. Now, the Sadducees, on the other hand, not only were their hearts not right with God, but their doctrine was all messed up too. They were the uh, theological liberals of that day. They didn't actually believe in any of the Bible being inspired by God except for the five books of Moses, the Torah or the Pentateuch is another way that we call those five books, the first five books of the Bible. And they also didn't believe in anything supernatural. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in demons. They didn't believe that God does um, anything supernatural anymore, right? So they're very much um, like many, many people today, right, who may be deists, right? They believe that God set things in motion and then just kind of checked out. Uh, they also didn't believe in resurrection. It's been said that um, you, if you don't believe in resurrection, you know, that's why they were sad, you see, because they were sad, you see, which is a terrible joke, even for a dad joke. But um, but it might help you remember that they didn't believe in um, the resurrection. So that brings us up to the end of our show. Jesus, uh, again, discussed with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees were the conservatives, Sadducees were the liberals. And he pointed them both to the uh, hope of the gospel through what he would do to save us. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Nick Cady. Check us out online at the church I pastor here in Longmount. We'd love to have you join us in person online, 9 and 11 a.m., whitefieldschurch.com. God bless you. Have a great evening. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.